Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan I got a plenty from Poland but none from Sudan Or from Fiji or Uzbekistan Stamp collecting happens when we dream together Live from being sleepy after a big lunch This is the award-winning stamp show here today Episode number 314 Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. This is Albert. This is Becca. And a shout out to Bob S. Uh, from my old days at the McDonnell Douglas Stamp Club in California. Uh, he took a break for 20 years. And then during COVID, started it back up uh, stamp collecting again. And I think that this is going to be more common than not. I think this is going to be a very common thing we see over the next couple of years as people coming back. Yeah, and flatly is one of the few hobbies that you can do that. You can leave it for 20 years and come back and pick right back up where you were. Oh, absolutely. So Albert and Mark are back from Westpex. And I'm incredibly curious as to how the show did in these times of COVID. Uh, how was it? Well, it was a, I thought it was a great show. They had a little bit of problems because um, s- several counties in California, including San Francisco, started to, um, they said you need to wear a mask in, inside again, even if you were fully vaccinated. So 11 dealers d- decided not to show up. Out of how many? Out of, uh, out of over 75. So one, about 15%. Right. Uh, so we're, there was a little bit of extra space in the rooms that wasn't taken up, but uh, um, but the people who showed up in general had pretty fair shows, especially if you were especially if you had done the show before. If you were a new if you were a newcomer, uh, you might have had a bad show, but that's that's traditional with Westpex. It usually takes a couple of years of doing the show before people come to you and buy stamps from you regularly. Also, in any show, really, you have to know your clientele. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was uh, the mask mandate went on August first. But they still had people. They still had people. They basically made recommendations for that. Oh, okay. And people were wearing masks. A lot, it, not necessarily the dealers, but definitely the collectors were wearing masks. What percentage would you say, of the entire room, dealers and collectors, How? what percentage of the people do you think were wearing masks? 60%. 60% wearing masks? Yeah. Mark, do you agree with that? Yeah, I would have put it at 50, but uh, I guess we can... We don't need to squabble over the temperature. <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, three or four of the major auction houses from the East Coast, and also Skylar Rumsey was the, was the show auctioneer, and he had a very successful auction there. Um, did they serve food? They had drinks. Uh, no, he did not serve food this time. I'll bet you that's a COVID thing. Yeah. Um, he they were very limited on that. They just served uh, they just served uh, Coca Cola, Seven uh, Up. Diet Coke and probably in and, cans, so they right. Yeah, you right. took the can and and, and, and and they did have they did have they did have some coffee urns, which they did bring some cream with it, but it was all in little closed things. Yeah, and uh, they had water, and that was it. Yeah, just as the reason why I brought up uh, the food is, Skyler always has you know the deal with the hotel where he serves food, and the food is not free but it's incredibly cheap when you get the room so it's always been a thing that he has given people sort of as a benny to showing up you know just to sit on the floor for a little while we had a, we had a bit of excitement on saturday afternoon we had a fire we had a fire alarm go off I heard and they that. had to yeah. they had to clear the room and uh, of course some dealers who had their stock in there did not want to leave but all the rest of us went outside, and the fire department did get there. But we were out a total of at least an hour and a half. Ooh. Wow. Were you there during the fire drill, Mark? I was actually in my room during the fire drill, uh, going over stuff that I bought. So I missed the whole thing. Uh, really? You didn't have to evacuate being in your room? No, I didn't even. Uh, I, I heard something, and I thought maybe it had something to do with the elevators. But I never ventured outside, and... Uh, and apparently it was just on that. Uh... Leland Wolf, um, uh, I heard Leland talk, talk to the, the uh, hotel manager, and they said, the hotel manager said that when we have a fire alarm pulled, uh, they evacuate the floor above and the floor below, but they don't evacuate anybody until there's confirmation of the fire. Uh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So what you you mentioned you were looking at what you bought. So, yeah, I, I, so I share, actually, uh, share. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't, it wasn't a great show for me. I, I had a hard time finding material to buy. I spent thirteen hundred bucks on twenty four stamps, and uh, and that's all I was able to to get away with. And and I really missed having other dealers there because, you know, uh, a lot of these guys I'd seen recently, like at uh, at St. Louis or in the Las Vegas show. So there wasn't a lot of stock added by some of the people that I typically go to see. No, I was buying different things. I bought I bought Postal History. Um, I bought uh, I purchased there was a there was a collectible collectible paper dealer there from California that I last dealt with in uh, October of 2019 um, and I bought some I bought some great Hawaii uh, prints um, that I was very happy to pay those prices because they were a third or less of what I would have had to pay for it in Honolulu. And uh, the only thing he didn't have that I that I had bought per previously in, at the at the previous show is he didn't have a Honolulu letter sheet, which would have been nice. Yeah. Um, there were the fact that all the auctioneers were there that was interesting. Uh, not only you know Robert A. Siegel auction galleries, um, H.R. Harmer. Daniel yeah. Callaher Company and Spink were all there with yeah. tables. And Golden Oak and um, and Rumsey had Rumsey was that, running the auction. Yeah, and, so yeah, and that was a brisk auction. Um, it was it was very tough to buy in that sale. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, look, I, I go mainly for the United States stuff, and the U.S. collections were all generally all going for above the, um, uh, above the high estimate. But what really shocked me were some of the revenue collections. Um, I would say a majority of the revenue collections went for between five and ten times higher than the uh, high estimate. Oh, I saw five, a, ten times? Right. Not I saw, percent times. Right. I saw a beer stamp collection that was estimated between six and $800 sold for $10,500 plus, <laughs> plus the 15%, which means the guy paid $12,000 for an auction lot that was estimated at 800 there was a, there was a revenue lot of just hand stamp cancels, you know, and uh, that was estimated at at five hundred to seven fifty. It ended up selling for fifty two fifty. Whoa! I had a I had a client that was bidding on it, and he asked me what I would recommend, and I said just buy it because it's just a toy. And then he said so when, but I didn't sit through the sale. Well. He called me up later and said, uh, he, I, you know, he said, what did you, you told me it was worth like three grand to pay as a collector. And I said, yeah, I said, it's just a little bit of fun. And uh, so he said, guess what it brought? And I told him the realized price. I said, well, I understand why he didn't buy it. And it started, started to become serious money there. Yeah. I was able to buy a duck stamp collection, uh, but I think the only reason I was able to buy it is because the catalog had a mistake in it. It had said 1935 to 20 to 2005, but the collection was actually 1935 to 2015. No. So I actually bought it for the for the high estimate. On on Saturday, Skyler's the first session of Skyler's auction was the transportation sale, which was a combination of uh, of interesting ways that letters had been carried. Uh, the first half of the sale were balloon montes from the uh, Franco-Prussian War of 1870-71, and the second part of the sale was a sale of uh, railroad post office mail. Um, the interesting thing that, that Mr. Rumsey was doing is that he was, uh, the, the, the items would open at the estimate, let's say $250, and then he was translating back and forth between English and France, <laughs> and English and French. <laughs> And so the auction lasted probably an extra two hours just in that Ugh. section. So, so the um, U.S. possessions, including the Hawaii section, was supposed to start um, half an hour after the end of the of the transportation sale. Well, it didn't start until after after six thirty in the evening. So I wanted to go out with friends that I hadn't seen in years, literally, because of the COVID situation. So I left bids. I would have certainly spent more money if I had sat on the floor, but I'm, I still spent about eighteen thousand dollars in yep. that in that section. Yep. As a matter of fact, uh, last podcast, uh, I was talking, or a person had said, you know, stamps are not worth dealing in unless you're dealing in the really high numbers. And you spent a lot. Mark didn't. You know, a lot of people didn't. Uh, that's another thing is, you know, stamp collecting, you can do as much or as little as you want. So, Well, it was, it was I, I, the people that, were, that attended the sale, a lot of them missed having to go to a stamp, a stamp show. And people were very enthusiastic to look at the exhibits. The uh, grand award of the, at Westpex was Richard Momgren's postal card collection, um, so uh, that was nice to see. Congratulations to Richard, and uh, um, but we had we I thought we had they had very good turnout and uh, 
Um, I, I saw a lot of people that I've known for years show up, and they all just said, well, we, we've missed it for a long time. Yeah, um, from the people that I heard, uh, attendance was down, they said, between 25% and 50%. So that's a lot of down. What, is that what you saw? Do you think that there was that much less, that many less people there? Uh, I, I think at the beginning on, uh, was it Friday was the, the first day, I saw less people milling around waiting for the show to open at Westpex than I did at, uh, at St. Louis. Mm. And usually there's a ton of people waiting. Right. And then Saturday I didn't see anybody waiting around. It, it, it's, a hard, it's hard to get a real accurate count because this was the first Westpex that they have not charged for admission. This was, this was absolutely free. Yeah, but I mean, what they, they charge five bucks. No, but in past years, that's why you would have a line. Of, uh, there, there would always be a line of people. Also, there's so many rooms they have that show in compared to how they used to have it. You know, they have the they have the mezzanine, they have the side rooms. Mm -hmm. Those are all. So they all, you know, and then and then the meeting rooms were full of people too. I went to uh, three society meetings on Saturday and Sunday, and there were they were all full. Yeah. I, I was very curious. I didn't go to Westpac. Um, I didn't go because I didn't want to deal with the COVID side. It's not that I was afraid of it. It's just something that I just rather not even monkey with. And uh, I think that I'm kind of in the majority of people. You know, if it's close and it's convenient, I'll go. But otherwise, eh, you know, I have to go all the way from Las Vegas to... Uh, Burlingame, California, that's, you know, like nine hours because I drive. And even if you fly, it's like four. I mean, it's only an hour flight, but, you know, <laughs> you have to you have to get to your hotel room and everything else. So, you know, it's not that much shorter. It's, it's But, uh, you know, I personally think that about one-third of the people are really, really concerned about the Delta variant. And if one-third of the people don't show up to something, that kind of messes it up. However, I also know that a lot of people had money who did go to the show because of all the Biden bucks and everything else, and that very few dealers didn't have a good show because there was so much cash washing around. Yeah, I, I talked to a half a dozen dealers, and all of them did. <clears throat> did the, in, the, in the correct range, and a number of them did more than what they normally do. And I would say that there's probably depression on both sides of the spectrum. You've got the people who may not have gone because of the fear of the Delta variant, um, and then you've got the people who are vaccinated and have no fear, um, but don't want to go because of the inconvenience of having to uh, comply with um, you know, with measures that, that, that you know, the yeah, that's mask me. and stuff like that, where they feel, you know, I've, I've been vaccinated. I don't need to wear a mask anymore. Yeah. Wh wh why would I deal with this? Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I'm at a point where, you know, when they they just passed uh, in Las Vegas, supposedly right now, you're supposed to be wearing a mask everywhere. No one is complying with it. I mean, it is just not being complied with. People are done. But there is a significant number of people out there who are still wearing their mask, who are, you know, st sit, staying at home and things like that. And it's a major deal. 
So I was really super curious. I'm very, very curious as to how Chicago is going to be because I think that as Westpex was, is how Chicago is going to be, the APS show in Chicago. So, you know, we got three weeks, but, you know, let's see what happens there. Well, the number of the dealers who did the show said they weren't going to go to Chicago just because um, a lot of them just don't want that much. They don't want the, to travel that far. Yeah. And well, is it because of the hassle, or is it because of the distance, or what? It's it's a, it's the distance. It's the fact that they haven't had to do that for over a year, and it's a little bit of the COVID, and the fact that um, Chicago's mayor has come out with uh, statements about if you're a resident of an orange state or a resident of a yellow state because of the number oh. of COVID cases, they don't want you there. And Nevada is an orange state. Yes, Nevada, Mississippi, and Arkansas, right? Those I are Alabama, maybe? No, right. Alabama. There's, there's, there's 17 states that are orange now. Oh, really? Yeah, just if you Google, if you Google Chicago mayor's COVID uh, restrictions, you'll find all that wonderful she information. She wants to keep 17 states' worth of people from coming to Chicago. Uh, and, and see, there, there's the fear. I mean, it really sort of is you have to book an airline ticket. You have to book a hotel room. And some of these things are refundable, but some of them aren't. Or you have to put, you know, deposits or you lose something like the airline tickets. And there's just a risk factor involved now that never has existed in the past. Now, I'm not talking about the risk of catching COVID. I'm talking about the risk of the government of Chicago doing something to screw up your trip. And it, that's what, you know, we, the reason I'm not going to Westpex is the same reason I'm not going to Chicago, is I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, and if you try to book an airline flight now, you're paying a lot of money. And you're risking a lot of money. Oh, and, and getting, well, that's another thing. I always drive, because if you drive, you get to pick your own hotel room. You get to pick whatever restaurant. You're, you're not locked down to where you're at. But driving to Chicago is too far for me. I, I don't want to do that. I've done it in the past, but I don't want to do it. I've done it several times in the past. So anything else about the show? Anything stand out? Or well, I, It was a pleasure to see the exhibits. They had... Um, they had a meeting of the board of directors of the U.S. Classics and the USPCS. Mm -hmm. uh, so all the so a lot of the big collectors were there. Um, they had they had some interesting talks. Uh, Dennis Jackson talked about uh, Hawaiian postal cards and the message sides, and all that that he was uh, that he was collecting, and he had a very very nice slideshow. And uh, next year, the Hawaiian Philatelic Society is one of the what is one of the guest societies that they're hosting so they were talking about that they have extra they'll have extra frames dedicated and the, the society is actually going to help pay for um, some part of the frame expense like 60 percent of it oh wow that's a biggie that helps out a show a lot i mean i don't think people realize that those exhibits are incredibly expensive for the show because they take up the floor space. You have to sh install and deinstall and store the frames. 
And then you have to have the judges come out who judge. And it's an incredible expense that has to be overcome to have a successful show. From a traveling perspective, the hotel was nice. But, again, there's no maid service, which uh, was met with mixed reviews. Some people don't like the maids coming into their room every day. Uh, and other people miss it. I kind of miss it, you know, having the room made up every day. So it was not made up the, the entire time. Um, well, yeah, that's because <laughs> there is such a huge labor shortage. Right. I yeah. heard people grousing about trying to get towels and, you know, replenish towels, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, there was at least uh, uh, at least one restaurant that had closed uh, because of COVID that um, att- that past attendees typically went to. Which one was the, it? The Elephant Bar. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, so, yeah. So it's, it's gone so that, it, you know, you, you're reducing your options there for dining. Yeah. Also, the dining hours in the usually in in Burlingame on a Saturday night, there are some restaurants that are open as late as ten or eleven o'clock. Every everything seemed to close at nine o'clock. Well, the they have this huge mezzanine where everybody hangs out, and they've got a bar, and you can order food and stuff like that. And that was like one of the big great places to hang out at Westpex. Was it a good place to hang out? I mean, were people hanging out down there, or was it? Uh, yeah, there were a lot of people hanging out there after the show, sure. Oh, okay, yeah. I'll be there next year. I no. mean, hopefully this thing will be this thing will peter out pretty quick. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, economically, you can see that the show, you know, has a lot of cash. There was a lot of money being spent, even with a reduced attendance. So uh, we'll see how long this lasts, but the real sort of rubber meets the road is going to be the Chicago show. See how that works. But I guess after January, uh, Steve Patillo said he's starting up Orco Expo, and uh, we're going to start, as a matter of fact, I need to talk with you, Mark, about starting up the Las Vegas show again because we don't hold it during the summertime because it's too hot, but I want to have our next show in, like, September. So we'll see when uh, that goes. If you're in Las Vegas, uh, drop us a note. Anything else? Is there viewer mail? Uh, You know, last episode I answered a ton of viewer mail while you guys were in Westpac. So, uh, yeah, everybody send us stuff. We we need to reduce our uh, viewer mail section. How are we we doing on time? Oh... 23 minutes. We're fine. Okay. We'll see you in Chicago. Yeah. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. 
<laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.